Praise the Lord. Good morning. Come on, you can do better than that. Good morning. It's great to see all of you here on site and those of you who joined us online. And a total welcome to our guests online from across the city of Ottawa, across Canada, and even around the world. Well, this past Wednesday night was a landmark moment in our church family. The membership gathered for a special membership meeting to vote on our building renovation and expansion plan, the renovating of our back wing to become a children's center, and the addition of a new next-gen complex, a gymnasium, a new cafe, a new office complex. Four motions were presented. The membership voted overall 97.75% in favor. Come on, I think we need to celebrate that today. And we thank the Lord for that. And so now everything picks up speed and we start all of our many meetings. The plan is to start the renovations of the back wing in the spring of 2022 and complete that in the fall of 2022. Then to start the new addition in the fall of 22 and complete it in the fall of 2023. It sounds like a long ways away, but time will go quickly. So we thank you for your support and thank you for standing behind this project. Secondly, in our second morning service, Carol Ann and Wally Stagger here. And Carol Anna served for like 17, 18 years as our office secretary, and she's been amazing. We announced to you a few months ago that she's stepping into retirement. It's hard to believe this is the last week. Wednesday's her last day. Could we take a moment and honor her right now? We love her so, so much, and we just pray the blessing of God on Carol Ann and Wally as they step into retirement. Lastly, next Sunday night is next Sunday night is our all church monthly prayer, six o'clock online, on site and online. And we hope that you can join us on Easter for that. If you can't make it on site, join us online. All church monthly prayer next Sunday, six o'clock. How many of you wonderful, smiling people are ready for God's word? Come on, are you ready for God's word? Are you ready for God's word? Well, we're in a seven-part sermon series exploring the one and other themes in the Bible. We're looking at only seven of them. There's like a hundred of them. And today, for a few moments, in the second message, I want to, on this Father's Day, focus in on the theme, forgive one another. So I want to invite you to get your Bible out with me this morning and turn, if you would please, to Colossians chapter 3. And there's an outline on our webpage. You can go to that. Paul is and he knew that there was challenges in that church family, so he talked about some important themes. He said in verse 12, chapter 3 of the book written to the Colossian church, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Let me push pause. How many people are glad that God loves you? Isn't it a good feeling to know God loves you? He loves you so much. He said, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. But look at verse 13. Bear with each other. And forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Forgiveness is a subject we don't look at often in the life of the church, but many believers of Jesus are living in offense. And I believe God wants us to choose not to live in offense, but to live in forgiveness. Some of you are carrying the residue of brokenness and pain of something that someone has said or done to you, maybe in your childhood, maybe 20, 30 years ago, maybe even this morning. And some of you right now on site or online, you are easily offended and you're easily 
hurt by actions or words by people. A working definition of forgiveness is this. Forgiveness is a, a choice, a decision that you make. Where you choose to live in a higher spiritual realm, where you choose to no longer allow the negative actions or words of someone negatively affect you anymore, you release it and you bring it to Jesus. Church, if I'm honest with you today, it's easy to give the working definition, but it's harder to live it out. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about moving from offense to forgiveness and we're going to look today at an Old Testament character of a guy named Ahithophel. You've got to really wrap your tongue around that name. Would you say that name with me? Ahithophel. One, two, three. Ahithophel. And many are like, Mark, is there actually someone in the Bible named Ahithophel? There is. And I want to talk to you, number one, who was Ahithophel? Who was this guy? Three things. Number one, Ahithophel was an advisor to King David. He was David's counselor. He was David's personal coach. David and his family went to Ahithophel for advice. 2 Samuel 15, 12 says when Absalom, that's David's son, was offering sacrifices, he also sent for Ahithophel, the Gilanite, David's counselor. So you need to know that Ahithophel was a counselor of David and his family. He was the personal coach. He was the advisor of David and his family. Number two, this is important, Ahithophel had a reputation for giving wise and godly counsel. If you ever went to him in those days, what he said was good and godly and wise. In fact, when you talked to him, it kind of felt like you're talking to God. Look at 2 Samuel 16, verse 23. Now, in those days, the advice of Ahithophel gave was like that of one who inquires of God. I mean, this guy had a pipeline to God. When you talk to him, it's like you're talking to God. And he gave wise and he gave really good counsel. But then there's number three. And I'm setting the stage for what I want to share. Watch this. Ahithophel and David were really close friends at one time. They were best buddies. They were close friends. Look this way. The deeper the connection, the deeper the hurt. And we're going to learn today of a rift a problem, something that happened between Ahithophel and David, found in the book of Psalm. I want to read to you two Psalm, Psalm 41, verse 9, where David reveals the pain of the hurt that he was experiencing to his close friend, Ahithophel. Look at verse 9 of Psalm 41. He said, even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who shared my bread turned against me. Here we got David saying that Ahithophel was a close friend of him. I really trusted this guy. We sat together. We shared meals together. But he hurt me. He hurt me. He turned against me. And the pain is oozing from David's life so much so that he talks about it in another chapter in the book of Psalm. Psalm 55, verse 12, down to verse 14. He's talking again about Ahithophel. And he said here, if an enemy, verse 12, were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it's you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, he's talking about Ahithophel. In verse 14, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked about among the worshipers. 
I would suggest to you this morning, if David and Ahithophel were worshiping at Woodville Church, they would be sitting together this morning in this 11 o'clock service in the same pew. They would be in a bubble together. I would imagine after the service, they would go out and sit on a patio somewhere in Ottawa and share a meal together. They were close friends. Ahithophel was the advisor of David, but they were buddies. They were companions, and David trusted him, but something happened in their life. And David reveals the pain in Psalm 41, Psalm 55. Let's build on. Let me take you to number two. Because what was Ahithophel's advice? Ahithophel gave some advice. Look at 2 Samuel 16, verse 20. Absalom, that's David's son. He goes to Ahithophel and he said, give us your advice. He said, what should we do? Now, I need to tell you that David's family life was really dysfunctional. Anybody ever notice that every home has a level of dysfunction in it? Am I right? Did you notice that the word fun is in dysfunctional? I think it's time that the church puts fun back into dysfunctional and finds freedom in Jesus. David had a riff with his son Absalom. And Absalom had rebelled against David, who was the king in that time. And and Absalom had had a conspiracy to take over the throne. And David didn't know how to react to the dysfunction. So he runs from the palace and he's running and he's hiding probably in a cave. And Absalom goes to Ahithophel, the family counselor, and he says to him, give us your advice. What should we do? I want to show you two things. And this might shock you, but number one, the advice that Ahithophel gave to Absalom, number one, is that Absalom, you should humiliate David publicly. I ask you, what kind of friend would tell your friend's son to humiliate your friend? Who does that? In fact, we're about to read that, that Ahithophel said to Absalom, here's what you need to do. You need to go on the roof of daddy's palace and you need to get his 10 concubines and you need to sleep with all 10 of them right in the broad daylight and humiliate your daddy in front of all of Israel. You see, in that day, if you did that, it'd be like you're saying, I'm taking over your throne. I'm taking over your kingship. I'm taking over your palace. And Absalom was given the advice, watch it, church, by his daddy's counselor to go and humiliate his dad publicly. 2 Samuel 16, 21 and 22, let me read it. Ahithophel answered him, and he said to Absalom, sleep with your father's concubines, whom he left to take care of the palace. Then all Israel hear that you've made yourself obnoxious to your father, and the hands of everyone with you will be more resolute. Actually, Nathan the prophet prophesied that this would happen. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 11, this is what the Lord says. Nathan said to David, out of your own household, I'm going to bring calamity on you. And before your very eyes, I'm going to take your wives and I'm going to give them to one who's close to you. That's your, that's your son. And he will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. What a dysfunctional family. What horrible advice for a friend to give to David's son. But then there's number two. This shocks me. In fact, this might alarm you, but Ahithophel actually wanted to assassinate David personally. Oh, yeah, he did. Let me read to you 2 Samuel 17, 1 to 4. Because Ahithophel said to Absalom, if I were you, 
I would choose 12,000 men, and I'd set out tonight in pursuit of Daddy David. Verse 2, I'd attack him. This is what I'd do when he's weary and weak. Come on, church. What kind of friend would tell your friend's son to take your dad down when he's weak and weary? He said, I'd strike him with terror. Then all the people with him would flee. And I'd strike down only the king. You see, the advice that Ahithophel gave to Absalom was to take daddy down, murder your daddy. Verse 3, and bring all the people back to you. The death of the man you seek will mean the return of all. And all the people will be unharmed. Look at verse 4. This plan seemed good to Absalom and to all the elders of Israel. But David had a prayer life. In fact, you're going to learn in 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 31, that David had been told that Ahithophel is among the, the, the conspirators with Absalom. And so David calls out to God. David prayed. He said, Lord, turn Ahithophel's counsel into foolishness. I still haven't told you what was the rift between Ahithophel and David, but stay with me. Let me take you to number three. What happened to Ahithophel? I want to read to you 2 Samuel 17, 5 to 14, because you're going to learn that Absalom sought out more advice. And he found another family friend of a guy named Hushai. Everybody say Hushai. One, two, three. Hushai. Look at verse 5 of 2 Samuel 5, but 17.5. But Absalom said, summon also Hushai, the archite, so we can hear what he has to say as well. Verse 6, when Hushai came to him, Absalom said to him, Ahithophel has given us this advice. Should we do what he says? If not, give us your opinion. In verse 7, Hushai replied to Absalom, the advice that Ahithophel has given, it's not good this time. Verse 8, you know your father. You know, as men, they're fighters, as fierce as a wild bear, robbed of her cubs. Besides, your, your father is an experienced fighter, and he will not spend the night with the troops, verse 9. Even now, he's hidden in a cave or some other place. If he should attack your troops first, whoever hears about it will say, there's been a slaughter among the troops who follow absent. Verse 10, that even the bravest soldier whose heart is like the heart of a lion will melt with fear for all Israel knows that your father is a fighter and those with him are brave. Verse 11, so, so Hushai says to Absalom, I advise you let all Israel from Dan to Beersheba as numerous as the sand on the seashore be gathered to you with you yourself leading them into battle. Then we will attack him wherever he may be found and we will fall on him as dew settles on the ground. Neither here he nor any of his men will be left alive. Verse 13, if he withdraws into a city, then all Israel will bring ropes to that city and will drag it down to the valley until not so much as a pebble is left. Verse 14, Absalom and all the men of Israel said, the advice of Hushai the archite is way better than that of Ahithophel. For the Lord is determined to frustrate the good advice of Ahithophel in order to bring disaster on Absalom. So what happened to Abs What happened to Ahithophel? When Ahithophel learned that his advice to Absalom was rejected, look at 2 Samuel 17, verse 23. When Ahithophel saw that his advice had not been followed, he saddled his donkey and he set out for his house in his hometown. And he put his house in order, and then he hanged himself, and so he died. 
and he was buried in his father's tomb. Isn't this a messed up story? Isn't this weird? I mean, David and Ithafel, they're friends. And Ithafel says, if I were you, I'd go on daddy's rooftop and I'd sleep with his concubines and I'd humiliate him publicly. If I were you, I'd go and strike him down and, and then Absalom would get some other advice. And, and then the advice of Ahithophel is rejected. And Ahithophel, once he realized that the advice was rejected, he saddles his donkey. He gets his house in order. He goes out in the forest and he hangs himself in a tree. Something went on between David and Ahithophel, what was it? I want to take you, if I could, for just a moment to number four. Why was Ahithophel so bitter? I'm going to show you now what happened. And then I'm going to end this message talking to you about how we can move from offense to forgiveness. And I'm about to link two verses that maybe you never saw in the Bible before. And I'm going to give you the reason why there was a rift between David and Ahithophel. The first scripture is 2 Samuel 23, verse 34, where it says, Eliphalet, the son of Ahaspi, the Maacathite, Eliam, everybody say Eliam, one, two, three, Eliam, the son of Ahithophel, the Gilanite. So what did we just learn? Ahithophel has a son named Eliam. And some of you are like, Eliam, I know that name. I read that name before. Let me bring it together. Let me take you now to 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1 down to verse 4. And it's all going to come together why Ahithophel was so bitter towards David. And in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1, it's in the spring. It's the time when kings would go off to war, but not David. David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. And they destroyed the Ammonites and they besieged Rabah. But David David remained in Jerusalem. It was the time of year when he should have been off at war, fighting with his man, leading them into battle, but he's complacent and he's relaxing and he's spiritually weak and he's staying at home in his palace. Look at verse 2. It's one evening when David got up from his bed and he walked around on the roof of the palace. You know the story. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing and she was very beautiful. Verse 3, and David sent someone to find out about her. And the man said, she's Bathsheba. There's the story. She's the daughter of Eliam. Who is Ahithophel? Ahithophel is the grandfather of Bathsheba. Eliam's the father. She's Bathsheba. She's the daughter of Eliam. She's the granddaughter of Ahithophel. And she's the wife of Uriah, the Hittite, verse 4. So David sent messengers to get her, and she came to him, and he slept with her. And now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanness. And then she went back home. And I tell you, I've heard preachers say, it takes two to tango. David's wrong, but so's Bathsheba. I beg to differ, because in that culture, if the king called you into his presence, you would never say no. I'm here to declare to you that 
David abused his position of authority. He, he had problems in him. He had baggage in him. And he called for the girl Bathsheba. She had no choice but to go into the king's presence. And friends, in essence, he, he, he violated Bathsheba. And not only did he violate her, he made sure that her husband was put on the front lines of the army so that, she, so that he would be killed. I'll tell you why. Ahithophel was bitter and angry. Some 11 years before, he said to Absalom, if I were you, I'd go on the rooftop of daddy's house and I'd sleep with all his concubines. If I were you, I'd strike him down. I would kill him. I would take him down. For 11 years, Ahithophel was nursing the grudge of bitterness because of the offense of what David did to his granddaughter. I don't blame Ahithophel for being angry, but I'll tell you, church, Ahithophel made a bad mistake. He nursed the grudge of bitterness. He let the bitterness take a root in his life, and he, he locked himself in the cage of unforgiveness, and he, he tried to get revenge on David. But isn't it an ironic story? David lives, but Ahithophel sets his house in order and gets on his donkey and rides out into the woods and hangs himself. You see, church, when you live in bitterness and when you live in unforgiveness, you are hanging yourself on the inside and you're putting yourself in a prison. I don't blame Ahithophel for being angry, but he should have dealt with it a better way. This is the reason of what went on. And David did not handle it. And David ignored what he did. And so when he's writing in the book of Psalm, he said, I'm hurt because of the one that I trusted, because of the one that I, I had fellowship with, David. David was oozing out his pain of dysfunction. And Ahithophel was walking in unforgiveness. And 11 years later, Ahithophel takes his own life. Isn't it a tragic story? So let me, let me give you some hope today. And I want to take you to the last part in the final minutes of this message. And I want to talk to you for just a couple of moments of how to get better instead of bitter. How to move from the place of unforgiveness and to move to the place of forgiveness. How to stop living in the land of offense and start living in the freedom of forgiveness. How to move from the prison and the bondage of forgiveness and to step into the land of freedom of forgiveness. I just want to give you five thoughts. Number one, repent of your bitterness. Say, Holy Spirit, show me, is there any bitterness in my life? Show me right now, God. Is there any unforgiveness in my life? Show me. Is it something from my childhood? Is it something from 10 years ago? Is it something that happened this week? Is there something I'm holding on to that I've chosen not right now to forgive that person for what they did or what they said? Is it between my spouse? Is it my son? Is it my daughter? Is it my parent? Is it my sister? Is it my pastor? Is it someone in this church? Who is it? Who Let Holy Spirit show you. Is there a root of unforgiveness that's becoming bitterness? Spirit, show me. you got to repent. In Acts chapter 8, 22 to 23, Paul meets this guy, Simon, and he says, repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. He said, for I see that you are full of bitterness and you're captive of sin. Paul saw that there was in it's Simon. There was 
bitterness oozing out of him. Holy Spirit, show me. Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians 4, 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Can I be honest with you today, church? I've heard many pastors say, we got to move from unforgiveness for forgiveness. I've heard many pastors say, you got to get rid of the bitterness, but very few have told people how. And in our final minutes, I want to give you some practical things that if you choose to live this out, I believe you're going to move from unforgiveness to forgiveness. And you're going to move from bondage to freedom. Are you ready to hear this? The first thing I want to share with you, it's number two. I believe this is key. Focus on how much God has forgiven you in Christ. If you can cherish what God has done for you, it will help you to do what you need to do. If you can cherish what God has already done for you by sending his son Jesus and dying for your sins, if you can get overwhelmed with what God has already done for you, it's going to help you to do what you need to do. Anybody this morning on site or online grateful that God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for your sins? Anybody here this morning grateful that Jesus to shed his blood. And I'll tell you, church, if you want to move from unforgiveness to forgiveness, cherish, focus on, get overwhelmed with the forgiveness of God Almighty. In Micah chapter 7, verse 18, Micah said, who is a God like you who pardons sins and forgives the transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance? You don't stay angry forever, but you delight to show mercy. Micah is overwhelmed with who is God, his church. Church, can we get overwhelmed with who our God is? He's a God of forgiveness. Could you put your hands together right now and celebrate? That's who our God is. Start with God. Start with what God has already done to help you do what you need to do. Ephesians 4, 32, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. But there's more. Number three, actively forgive those who have wronged you. Similarly, like Mark, how do, how, do, how, do, how do I do that? I know I need to cherish what God has done. Here's a nugget of truth. Decide today that I'm going to position myself. I'm going to posture myself. And I'm going to put my face towards the road and the journey of starting the road and the journey of forgiveness. I'm not going to put my back to it anymore. I'm not going to resist it anymore. I'm not going to hold on to the grudge anymore. I'm just going to release it to Jesus. And I'm going to start the journey of choosing to no longer allow their negative actions or words negatively affect me anymore. I'm going to posture myself that every day I get up, I'm going to let it go. And when the enemy tries to give it back to me, I'm going to release it again. I'm going to choose today to posture myself of forgiveness. Can I show you a nugget of truth? In 2 Samuel 23, verse 8 and 34, I almost missed it. But verse 8 says, these are the names of David's mighty warriors. And I've read the list before, to be honest with you. When I read it, I went, just a bunch of guys. And it was kind of boring. But I came back to verse 34. Eliphalet, the son of Ahasbei, the Maacathite, 
Eliam, the son of Ahithophel, the Gilanites, was one of David's mighty warriors. I ask you, why would Eliam choose to be a mighty warrior for David? Why would Eliam, when David said, would you be one of my mighty warriors? Think about it. David had abused his daughter. David had arranged for the murder of a son-in-law. And Ahithophel couldn't cope. Ahithophel couldn't deal with it. So he hangs himself, but not Eliam. Why is he one of David's mighty warriors? I suggest to you, because he chose the road of forgiveness. That's what I want to do. Then there's number four. Trust that God's justice will prevail. Some of you are sitting here today like, Mark, this story's crazy. Like, come on, man. I don't blame Ahithophel for being angry. I don't blame him for being upset. I'd be upset too. That's his granddaughter. And I'd be angry at David for what David did to his granddaughter. And Ahithophel needs to pay for what he's done. I'm here to say to you today, he might have needed to pay for what he's done. But you got to release the justice to God and realize that Jesus paid it in full in the name of the Lord. And so church, we need to let it go. We need to let it go and realize that Jesus paid it. Jesus paid it. So we need to release it. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, it's mine to avenge. I will replace as the Lord. And then in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23, about Jesus, when they hurled their insults at him, he didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he didn't make any threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly because when you forgive you're releasing your right to get even Ahithophel couldn't do that but Eliam did God wants to help you today to release it I want to take you to the last point and this is probably the most important thing that I can share to you today but how you can move from unforgiveness to forgiveness, how you can move from living in offense to walking in freedom, decide who's going to be king of your life. There's two villains in this story, Absalom and Ahithophel. Ahithophel was the counselor, the advisor of David, and Absalom was the son of David, and David was the king, and both Absalom and Ahithophel struggled with David being king. You got to decide who's going to be king of your life today. And when you decide who's going to be king of your life, it helps you move into freedom. Let me bring it together. Can I talk to you in these final moments about Ahithophel and Jesus? Just, just so we get it in our spirit. Can everybody say the most sweetest name on earth, Jesus? Can you say his name? Let's say it together. One, two, three. Jesus. I think we need to stand to our feet as we do this. Come on, let's stand to our feet. We can do better than this. Come on, I want you at the top of your lungs. I want you to say his name, Jesus. You got your mask on. You can do this. Come on, one, two, three. Would you say the name Jesus? One, two, three. Jesus. 
Come on, let's say it one more time as loud as we can. Jesus, one, two, three. Jesus. Could you put your hands together right now and give a clap offering of praise to Jesus? Do you know what Ahithophel and Jesus had in common? Three things. Number one, for both of them, their counsel was rejected. Absalom rejected Ahithophel's counsel. When Jesus walked on earth, people rejected his counsel. The second similarity, maybe you missed it, but they both rode on a donkey. Ahithophel rode on a donkey when he went to his house and got his house in order. He rode on a donkey, so he went out into the woods and he hung himself on a tree. Jesus, on that first Palm Sunday, is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Rode on a donkey into Jerusalem. People were looking for a deliverer from the Roman bondage, but Jesus said, I've got more than the deliverance from the Roman bondage. I'm your king, and I'm going to go die on a cross to set you free from your sins. Come on, somebody give a little clap offering of praise to our Lord God. The counsel of Ahithophel and Jesus was rejected, and they both rode on a donkey. But lastly, they both died on a tree. Ahithophel hung himself on a tree, but Jesus was nailed to an old tree called a cross for you and for me. I couldn't wait to say this to you today. Jesus was hurt for you so that you can be healed. Who's going to be the king of your life? And I believe what God this morning wants to do is step into that place and that point of pain for some of you. Something happened when you were a child. For some of you, it happened between you and your father, between you and your uncle, between you and your grandfather. For some of you, it happened in a marriage from years ago, and you're still carrying the residue. For some of you, it happened last week. For some of you, it's something a teacher spoke over your life. For some of you, there's a residue that's hanging over you of hurt, and it's never been dealt with. And I'm here to declare that Jesus was hurt so that you can be healed. And I believe this morning what Jesus wants to do is to go back to that time and that moment. And he wants to wrap his arms around you. And he wants to release his healing so that you can be free. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. In just a moment, we're going to worship in our final minutes of the song. But as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I'm going to ask you to be as honest as you choose. But I believe that there's many right here on site, and there's many online right now, that there's some unforgiveness that you need to be free from today in the name of Jesus.
Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I don't believe anyone's looking around but me. And I'm just simply asking you, how many of you this morning, in just a moment, I'm going to count to three. Then I'm going to invite you to raise your hand. And after I count to three, if you're, you're here today, like I, I've got some unforgiveness, and I need freedom right now. And I, I don't just need freedom. I want to be free right now in the name of the Lord. I, I want to live out these principles today, Mark. I, I, want to, I want to repent of it, and then I want to cherish and focus on the forgiveness of God. And I want to actively posture myself to start the road of forgiveness and I want to release the justice and the vengeance to God and I, I, I need Jesus to be the king of my life and I need Jesus to come in right now into the point of pain and wrap his arms around me and bring healing I need to be free from unforgiveness and for some of you it's from years gone by for some of you it's from your childhood for some of you it's from last week and for some of you it's from earlier this morning and for some of you you're wondering why am I so easily offended? I suggest today that there's a root cause of something that's happened in your life that Jesus right now wants to step in and bring freedom. Do you want freedom today? I'm sick of the enemy holding his church back. I believe God wants to bring freedom. Here it is. I'm going to count to three. And after I count to three, three, if you want to be free, you want to move from unforgiveness to freedom, no one's looking. I'm just the only one looking. I want you to lift your hand high. And then I'm going to pray. And then we're going to worship for a moment. And we're going to believe that freedom is going to move in this place. That whomsoever the sun sits free will be free indeed. So I'm going to count to three. And after I count to three, if you've got some unforgiveness in your life and you want to move from unforgiveness to the freedom of freedom, forgiveness from the land of offense to the land of freedom you want the prison bars of unforgiveness to be broken and you don't want that bondage anymore and you want to be free i want you to lift your hands one two three if that's you just lift your hand as high as you can main level way up in the balcony jesus wants to free you today now come on woodville everybody lift your hands right now father god i pray that freedom would flow in the house today i pray god as pastor brad begins to sing and worship in the song that Jesus you would step in you would come right to the place of pain you would wrap your arms around these wonderful people and you would be the king of their life I thank you Jesus you are hurt so that we can be healed hallelujah and I pray God that we would repent of our unforgiveness and we would cherish your forgiveness and we would posture ourselves to start the journey to choose no longer to let someone's negative actions or words to negatively affect affect us anymore. We're going to leave the vengeance and the justice to you, Lord. And we're inviting you to be the king of our life right now. So Jesus, come in and set us free in the name of the Lord. I pray freedom right now in the name of Jesus for everyone on this main level, in the risers, up in the balcony, in the overflow room, watching on live streaming that you would set us free in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Come on, give a clap offering a praise to our Lord God, our Lord God Almighty. Let's worship together. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. Oh, I am who you say I am.
Jesus, when he was baptized in water, the heavens opened, and the heavenly Father spoke over him and said, this is my son, whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. And if Jesus needed to hear those words, how much more do you and I? And I believe God is looking down at you today, and he's saying to you, you're my son. You're my daughter, and I love you, and I'm so proud of you. So church, when we get a fresh revelation of who our God is, and we realize how much he loves us, and how much he's forgiven us, it's going to be so much more easier to live life with a heart of forgiveness and not walking in offense. Something I've learned to live my life is God help me to have thick skin and a tender heart. Let the negative words, the negative actions just roll off my back and keep me in love with you.